are the Ad Watchers? We are attorneys at the National Advertising Division of BBB National Programs, a team with 50 years of experience investigating and resolving disputes over the truthfulness and accuracy of national advertising campaigns. To make sure advertisers can back up what they are telling consumers, we don't just take ads at face value, we put them to the test. Why? Because advertising law is simple. It's the execution that's hard. Welcome back to another episode of Ad Watchers, NAD's podcast that gives a view into how our organization reviews claims and applies advertising law. If you missed any of our previous episodes, don't forget to check them out later. They're available wherever you're listening to this. Today with me is my co-host, NAD Assistant Director Annie Ugerlein, and my special guest co-host, NAD Deputy Director Catherine Armstrong. Today we're going to be talking about dark patterns. Sounds pretty ominous. Uh, we'll talk about what exactly is a dark pattern. It's Catherine's first Ad Watchers uh, today, and welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much, Eric and Annie, and just in time for Halloween. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm a big fan of Ad Watchers. Dark Patterns was coined in 2010 by Harry Prignall, a user design specialist to describe design practices that trick or manipulate users into making choices they otherwise wouldn't have made and that might cause harm. They influence consumer behavior by preying on cognitive biases. Just yesterday, an OECD report was issued on dark patterns, and it said that the more frequent dark patterns on websites and apps involve framing or, you know, pre-selecting choices by default or giving them visual precedence or hiding information. Also, they create a sense of urgency by creating potentially misleading scarcity indications. Other types of dark patterns are uh, generating social proof through potentially misleading popularity indications or forcing registration or disclosure information or nagging people to make a choice. You've seen the low stock buy now. That's another dark pattern or making it difficult to uh, cancel or opt out. Catherine, you've seen a lot during your 30-year tenure at the FTC, but can you touch on how the FTC has addressed this issue as well as the FTC's recent dark patterns report? Yes, of course. Ghoulish undertones aside, dark patterns can be a little scary, but they are not new. For example, the FTC promulgated the negative option rule in 1973, and we'll chat about that later. But now I'd like to focus on the recent report the FTC staff issued, Bringing Dark Patterns to Light. It was issued last month following an FTC April 2021 workshop, which focused on dark patterns in many industries and contexts, especially in e-commerce. The report focuses on four common dark pattern tactics. The first is misleading consumers and disguising ads. For example, articles that look like ads using countdown timers, leading consumers to think they need to act very quickly to access the advertised deal, or review sites that look like they're independent, but in fact are pay to play. 
A second category involves making it very difficult for consumers to cancel subscriptions or charges. This involves recurring charges for services to which the consumer may not have knowingly consented to purchase. These continuity programs often share a central feature, and that is they take the consumer's silence or failure to take an affirmative action as acceptance. A third category is bearing key terms and fees. Claims like no hidden fees, when in fact there are many such fees, the identity of which is buried in fine print or hard to find on the website. Then the fourth category are design elements that obscure or subvert privacy choices. Examples include pre-clicking boxes or not allowing consumers to accept or reject how their personal data will be collected or used. The Federal Trade Commission has brought actions addressing many of these types of dark patterns. In addition, dark patterns has been on the radar of NAD and KRU for many years, and it was a topic of discussion last month at the NAD conference, both in the emerging issues panels and in remarks made by Consumer Protection Director Samuel Levine, who stressed that the FTC should do more to address fraud resulting from dark patterns. Thanks, Catherine. Now, NAD has a history of looking into what the FTC has recently termed as dark patterns. NAD did not label these dark patterns, but each of or many of the issues that the FTC has flagged as dark patterns have a parallel in NAD cases. And and I'm going to go through a few examples to show how NAD has addressed these things that are now being termed as as dark patterns or or included in that categorization. Hidden fees and false discounts have, have long been on NAD's radar. One case from recent years was the StubHub case where uh, NAD brought a monitoring action concerning StubHub's website ticket pricing. It was advertised during the consumer's initial search when they're looking for tickets to, to an event. You would see one price in the initial search and then a different price would emerge at checkout. So the total price included service fees and taxes, which were a pretty significant amount of the overall ticket cost. And there was no breakdown of the fees unless purchasers clicked on a a pricing details link. So NAD found that this advertising was misleading because consumers couldn't make an informed decision about what they were purchasing. This ended up being referred to the FTC because the advertiser did not participate there. And this ticketing issue has been addressed since by by certain states because it does affect a lot of consumers and affect how they interact with advertising online. Uh, Now, as far as false or illusory discounts, we've seen this in an offline context as well. And for instance, we had a, a case involving a TV ad for a flashlight. It was advertised on TV and it was sold with, with a message that you could buy one, get one, just pay a separate fee. 
which kind of echoed what consumers are, are used to seeing as a, a buy one, get one offer. But in reality, the consumer may or may not have been getting a discount because the other one was priced just as much as the first one. Uh, in some instances, it, it was discounted half price, but discounted, it was a, a buy one, get one at half price in, in, in certain instances. But it wasn't adequately disclosed to the consumers. The consumer may have thought they were getting uh, either a free one or a deal on shipping. And that engaged consumers in, in what we would now call kind of a manipulative way uh, if, we're, if we're matching it up to uh, the guidance on dark patterns. Another thing that was flagged as a dark pattern, which maybe somewhat surprisingly, and this is this is another area where NAD has has weighed in, and that's advertising that looks like editorial content, advertising disguised as editorial content. It has the potential to mislead or confuse consumers because consumers may attach a different weight or significance to editorial content than pure advertising content. This has come up in a few ways. We've looked at sort of independent or websites that were promoted as independent product review sites, but were in fact advertising. NAD in the field of mattresses, in a few cases, recommended that these sites be discontinued because consumers uh, or or be modified so that cons- uh, to ensure that consumers could understand that the contents were in fact advertising. We've also had product and service review sites that technically are independent and are not owned by a brand, but there is a relationship between the brand, between the brand whose products are being reviewed and the website such that consumers would not understand that it is a pay for play website and that the products being reviewed there, certain of them are advantaged and that that can be misleading to consumers. So NAD has weighed in on that as well. We've also, when it comes to line between editorial content and advertising in the BuzzFeed case, in that case, we determined that the editorial content and the advertising content were sufficiently separated. Uh, That's not often the case. In some older cases where magazine inserts where there was advertising that mimicked the look of editorial content. Uh, We've held advertisers to be responsible for for claims made in that and making clear to consumers that what they were looking at was advertising. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about dark patterns relating to hidden or delayed disclosure of material information? Sure. So we had a case uh, with Quicken Loans. This was a, a monitoring case, and we challenged the claim, no registration, no login, and the implied claims that they weren't con- collecting any personal data and that that kind of data was not shared with third parties. We actually ended up referring this both to the FTC and Facebook because they didn't submit a response. Well, and while, you know, as you said earlier, you know, we didn't call this a dark pattern. We did note that Quicken Loans was requiring consumers to enter a, a significant amount of uh, personal information before they were given any kind of information about the, the rates that they were being provided, which contradicted the implied claims. 
And it was also not in compliance with their, their privacy policy, where they actually indicated that they collected and shared personal data. An older case also looked at this issue, and it was the Fabletics case, and that was also a monitoring case. And there we took issue with Fabletics not disclosing that they had this VIP uh, membership associated with a discount offer that required them to take action every month on a certain date. Otherwise, their credit card would be charged. So the term that your credit card will be charged on the sixth of the month or a member credit until you cancel is at the very bottom of the terms and conditions. So no one's going to see it. And in fact, a consumer would have to scroll through different screens to even view that information. And so that was that's pretty deceptive. Not to mention that many of these types of loyalty programs don't have similar types of obligations. We also saw something similar in, in GoFreeCredit.com. Uh, and there we found that the free or $1 credit uh, reports were misleading because consumers wouldn't understand the material conditions of the offer. And that being that they would need a subscription before acting on the offer. And so bottom line is they shouldn't have to search to find any material limitations. It has to be in the four corners of the ad, that black letter advertising law. I just touched on the issue of negative options. Uh, Catherine, can you talk about the FTC's take on this issue and other issues? Sure, absolutely. Um, As I mentioned earlier, in 1973, the FTC issued or promulgated the negative option rule, but that rule was limited to pre-notification plans for the sale of goods, and it doesn't reach modern or digital negative option marketing campaigns. The FTC staff report I mentioned earlier is specifically addressing dark patterns in the digital space. But this rule was written long before there was a digital space. Basically, the rule required that pre-notification plan sellers clearly and conspicuously disclose their plan's material terms before the consumer subscribed. In 2019, the FTC issued a notice of proposed rulemaking that would expand the rule to the digital space, but that process is ongoing. And as many people know, rulemaking efforts at the FTC can take a long time. That's why the FTC issued some guidance last year called Negative Option Policy Statement on Negative Option Marketing. That was issued just about a year ago, and it recommended that companies engaged in negative option marketing clearly and conspicuously disclose the terms of the offer to allow consumers to clearly consent to the program. The guidance also recommends that the company ensure that consumers have an easy opportunity to cancel. But there are also a lot of other quivers in the FTC's regulatory authority. They've used their authority under other rules and statutes to address 
issues associated with negative option marketing, such as the Restore Online Shoppers Confidence Act, or called ROSCA, or the telemarketing sales rule, as well as the unordered merchandise statute and the Electronic Fund Transfers Act. All of these, in addition to Section 5, touch on various aspects of negative option marketing. So we've talked about the past and talked about present day when it comes to ways that consumers can be manipulated through the, what are we now calling what we're now calling dark patterns but how will things evolve the metaverse is the next frontier in advertising and while the rules of the road apply no matter where advertising is made it will be interesting to see what dark patterns look like there and how the regulatory and self-regulatory world will address it i think one good place to look uh, and and see where things might head is is how the disclosure of material connections in social media between an advertiser and an endorser. That issue's gotten a lot of attention. You can listen back to our, our episode on endorsements and testimonials uh, for more information there. But I think this is something that will have a, a natural uh, extension in the metaverse where brands seek to engage consumers. And I think you'll see something parallel to what you've seen in social media, where consumers will need to know whether or not what they're looking at is organic or is in fact paid advertising. I'm sure right now someone is coming up with creative ways to engage consumers in the metaverse, and we'll be watching to make sure advertising in the metaverse is truthful and not misleading. So I think we've learned today that dark patterns are not new, but they're tricky. And the practices that we are seeing in the online space and the digital space and soon the metaverse are often practices that have been adapted from the offline world. I think the guidance that the FTC and NAD cases tried to provide is that marketers should be respectful of consumer sovereignty and make sure that they are aware what they are consenting to, either the sharing of their personal information or what they're agreeing to buy in the future. Thanks for joining us today, Catherine. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you again for tuning into this episode of The Ad Watchers. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Leave us a review and let us know what you'd like to hear about next on Ad Watchers. Join us next month for another episode of the Ad Watchers, where we will be talking about diversity and inclusion issues in advertising. As always, you can head over to our website, bbbprograms.org, to learn more about what we do at the National Advertising Division or any of our other self-regulatory programs. That's all for this episode. See you next time.